Good evening. Welcome, 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 saints and friends. I hope you are staying warm in this wonderful, snowy Indiana evening. And if you are abroad and in a warmer climate, praise God for you. We're just glad that you're tuning in and we're glad to be here. Thanking God for all that he does, all that he means. Once again, remember to like, comment, share, and even subscribe. All right, let's get into our prayer for this evening. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious heavenly father, we thank you, love you, appreciate you, honor you. God, there's nobody like you. Nobody compares to you. You're the wonderful, matchless, marvelous God. And for that, we give you praise. God, we're praying that you would illuminate this study, that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Let no one's coming or logging in be in vain. Let everybody get something what they need and give us a deeper hunger to study your word in this year. And we thank you for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Always a blessing to come before you uh, this, on uh, Wednesday evenings. I enjoy it just as much as I enjoy Sunday mornings. I enjoy the extra that we give. So uh, as we consistently have been doing, and I may change at some point, but it's going so well that I don't know when or if I will, but we continue to go back over Sunday serving in our Bible study. And I don't see that changing yet. So we're going to do that again. And Sunday, we have the topic of golden opportunity, golden opportunity. And when you think of that phrase, golden opportunity, it speaks of opportunity, but not just an opportunity, but a special opportunity, like the, a perfect, uh, perfect time, like things really aligning, all the stars aligning. And so knowing what we've been through and the challenges that we face and are yet facing specifically in the city of Muncie with as many deaths that we have consistently been uh, facing. We know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and there are opportunities, but there are also just these perfect moments that are tailor-made for us. They are where our hopes and dreams align, things line up. And so I'm sensing that uh, many people are moving toward that, which is always a blessing. It's always a good thing to move toward that. So let's actually define what that looks like. I'm going to set it up here for a second and just let you kind of look at it. So an opportunity is a set of circumstances, circumstances that makes it possible to do something. So we've used this terminology before, but the impossible becomes possible. The improbable becomes possible. So a set of things aligning up. So it's not just one thing. It's a series of things that seem to come together to point to what wasn't possible before now is possible. There's an opportunity. There's an opening. There is an open door. And so and we're trying to look at that and see it as the phrase says, as a golden opportunity, not just a run of the mill opportunity, not just uh, I had a headache. I pray for it and it looks like there's an opportunity for it to go away because I took ibuprofen. OK, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that you thought wouldn't happen, wouldn't come true. And then all of a sudden it becomes possible. You take uh a man who's been single for quite some time and no one on the radar, nothing happening. Then they meet somebody. And within the first two, three weeks, they know they got something. And then within the first three months, they're automatically thinking, this might be someone I could spend the rest of my life with. With This might be the answer to the what I've been praying for forever. It came so quick, so fast, but everything seems to align. And she seems to be into me like I'm into her. And you know it early on. You may not get married right away. You may go through the dating process. But something in you is like, this is an opportunity. This might be the one. You ever heard anyone say that? This might be the one. Or this might be the job. Or this might be the house that I've always dreamed of. This might be the car just uh, things just lining up and it's an opportunity. And so a golden opportunity. So uh, let's look at scripture. Let's uh, 
take our time and look at 1 Corinthians 16 and 7, English Standard Version. It says this, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend time with you if the Lord permits. So if the Lord permits, I want to spend some time with you. So when you, when you look at that, um, it's Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Uh, there are several letters. We only have access to two of them. So we have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Uh, scholars believe there's as many as four letters uh, that we have, but this is the first one we have privy to. And so 16 is the last chapter. So he's doing his goodbyes, farewells. He's closing things up. Then he makes this mention, and we'll look at it again. I, I don't, I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. In other words, I don't want to just pass through there the next time I'm around. I actually want to spend some time with you. So then he goes on to say this, verse 8, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So he's in Ephesus writing Corinth. So he's saying, I'm not going to be there right away. I'm going to stay in Ephesus. And then he explains why. So I actually, I kind of want to go backwards. So he talks about, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord's permit permits, if the Lord willing. But then he says this, but I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stay where I'm at, at least until Pentecost. And here's the reason why. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. So before we uh, look at that in any uh, detail, I want to point out, if you know anything about Ephesus, uh, if, if you look at Acts and you see when uh, we see Paul going into Ephesus, one of the things that we find out is how things turned against him really quick in Ephesus, and there end up being like a riot and chanting because they thought they were he was going against the goddess Athena, and they were chanting for like two hours straight. And so it was a quite hard place to tap into because some places, um, like when he talks in Athens, they believed in so many gods that he could move his God in there to talk about what he felt like was the one true God. And he talks about in Acts that, that they had a, uh, an inscription to the unknown God. And so that was his angle to talk about, okay, you already know there's an unknown God. Let me tell you who that God is. He's the God of gods, and he, he was able to present the gospel. Ephesus was different in the fact that they had a God that they worshipped that was like their main God, and much of their economy was, was tapped around that, there. So to talk about the God of gods that Paul believed would have been counter to the culture, so it was a hard place to press into. But then he says, but a wide door is open. Like something's happened. Something happens different. I've got an opportunity. I really want to be in Corinth. I want to spend some time with you. I'm writing this letter and I don't want to just come to you in passing, but I'm actually going to stay where I am in Ephesus because there's an opportunity and I don't want to miss this opportunity. There's an opportunity for a work to be done. And I like what he says. He says, for a wide door for, this is how the English Standard Version says, for effective work has opened to me. And then he says, and there are many adversaries. So it's a really wide door. It's not a small space. I, actually, I got a big open opportunity. And what makes it a golden opportunity, it's for effective work. So one thing that makes a work or a possibility effective is that it's also efficient. The fact that it's not going to take me forever. And Paul is actually, he's once again, he's writing to Corinth and he's saying, I want to spend some time with you, but I'm going to stay here in Ephesus because a door is open. I'm going to stay here at least until Pentecost. He didn't say, I'm going to stay here a real, real long time. I actually have a a time frame where I think I'm going to be coming out of there and maybe visiting you guys, Corinth, because I got an opportunity right here. But the opportunity is so big and so effective, I may be able to do this efficiently. I might be able to make a huge impact really quick. So some golden opportunities, 
like all the time that you've waited up in this point, it can happen so quick, so fast that it opened the opportunities open. It's like, it's not going to take a long time. Uh, when I decided, finally decided, okay, we have outgrown the current house we're in. We need to find a new house. And so I had been looking in books about a new house for, for a little while. And then finally, when I made the decision, okay, yes, I'm actually going to get a realtor and actually look for a home. The second home we looked at is the home that we're in now. It didn't take long at all. A door opened and it was perfect. What actually happened was we seen a house that we liked and we asked the realtor to take us to their house. When we were driving to the address, immediately when we got into the neighborhood, it was like, this ain't really it. So we get in there and we're looking around and me and Devin are looking at each other and it's just like, this this ain't it. And I was somewhat bothered because <clears throat> it was like I got my hopes up and this was a total waste of time. And my thought process was, I hope, you know, I don't have to look at 17, 20 houses like this before we find the house we're in. We hadn't said anything to the realtor, but she could read our body language and she was like, hey, this may not be what you're looking for, but just right now, she's looking at her phone, something came available and it's not on the market yet. It's going to hit the market in a day or so. But I can give you the address and we can look at it like right away before it actually hits the market. We can look at it a day ahead. And so this was one day and she's like, how about we do it tomorrow? Sure. Okay. Well, what would it hurt? We do it the very next day, step in there. And it was just like, this is it. This is the house. We're going to make an offer. But the point I'm making is God opened a door. It was not only a effective door, it was efficient. Like I didn't have to waste a lot of time. It was like, boom, it was there. It happened. Same thing with the vehicle that I'm driving now. I had looked all over for, for them. I narrowed down two. I had two offers uh, that I could go after, two different cars I could go after. One was white, one was black. They both had the right interior. Everything was aligning up. One seemed to be more likely the one I wanted. One was in Michigan, one was in Ohio. No, one was in Michigan, one was in Illinois. Uh, Michigan was closer. I was like, okay, I'm going to go and look at the one in Michigan. Everything fell in line. It was right. I grabbed it. It, it was effective, but it was also efficient. When you've been waiting a long time for something, sometimes when God opens a door, you have the mindset that, man, it's going to take a while. But but Paul was able to look at it and say, look, this it may not be that long. I may be able to still come see y'all. I'm going to stay here till Pentecost, but there, there's, there's something ha happening. It's really quick. Now, one of the things that I like about it, and this is what I really brought up on Sunday, and I'll go, go to it, is the fact that he doesn't say there's a wide door for effective work has opened to me, but there are many adversaries. If he says but, that means he's focusing more on the adversaries than he is on the open door. But he says there's an open door and there's there are adversaries. I like how the New Living uh, says it. So it says there's a wide open door for a great work here although many oppose me. The opposition, the adversary, that was a second nature. In other words, Paul was looking at it honestly. Yeah, there's a great opportunity, opportunity for a great work. It's going to be effective, actually efficient. But honestly, there's going to be some, some junk I'm going to have to deal with. But when you have waited so long, you know what it's like to go through obstacle after obstacle, challenge after challenge, you don't really focus on the challenge because what has happened in the past is I always have challenges, but I have challenges without open doors. I have challenges and closed doors. So now I have a challenge and an open door. I am not going to focus on the challenge. I'm going to focus on the open door because it's open in a way that's different than before. So the door is so wide open that the opposition, the adversary, the obstacle, it's, 
in the back of my mind. It's not in the forefront of my mind because I've never had a door open this big. I've never had a golden opportunity like this. So someone says, man, they offer you the the uh, job of your dreams. It's everything. It, it checks every box. You know it. This is what you've always wanted. And then they say, but you're going to have to move to take the job. Job is going to be two hours away. Well, yeah, that comes with some challenges. Okay, I'm going to have to leave my family. I'm going to have to figure this out. I may have to leave my church family. But this is it. This is the thing I've been praying for. This is the golden opportunity. So I'm not going to focus so much on the moving and uh, what I'm going to have to do with that. I'm going to focus on the opportunity because it's so big. It's so wide. So that leads us to our first point. And that's it. Stop letting opposition blind you from opportunity. It's just that simple. Don't let the opposition blind you from the opportunity. In order to be blinded from the opportunity, you have to take your focus off of the opportunity. and You actually have to look at the opposition. And that's what you we don't want you to do. That's what happened with um, the uh, 10 spies versus, well, it was the 12 spies, the 10 spies versus the two spies, uh, Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they came back with a good report. The other 10 spies, the scripture says they came back with actually an evil report. It was a called evil, uh, evil report because God told them he was going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And that doesn't literally mean that milk was flowing and honey was flowing. Literally, it was a figurative word that every all the type of uh, animals you need to produce the milk, all of that is there. All of the fruit need to produce the sweetness, the honey, the the richness. In other words, the economy is perfect. The land is perfect. Everything. It checks all the boxes. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua and Caleb, they go out with the other spies and they scout out the land. And they come back with things like, man, there's grapes, like as big as your head. There, there is just like the Lord said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The other spies, the 10 spies, they said, but there's giants in the land. And they go on to say that we are nothing but grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to the giants. Joshua and Caleb, they focused only on the promise. The giants, yes, there were giants there, but they had just come through the Red Sea They'd come through Egypt. They'd come through all the plagues. They'd seen what God did with Pharaoh. The last thing they were f- focused on was obstacles, giants. There was no guarantee that the giants were going to be against them. The giants could work with them. They could have been on their side. Maybe they were going to have to fight the giants. Joshua and Caleb didn't even focus on any of that. They were like, this is the opportunity. This is it. This is everything God has said, we've been in the wilderness 40 years. So when I said they just came out of uh, Egypt, it's it had been a long period of time because they were stuck in the wilderness for a long time. So they come out of Egypt. They, they're into the wilderness. They have all this history of what God has done. And then they got in a situation. They were stuck in the wilderness forever. And here is their chance. Everybody has died out that that didn't have the right mindset. Like This is their moment. And they're thinking, we are not going to blow this. This is our chance. But the other people that came with the evil report, they were blinded from the opportunity because of the opposition. So that's something that we cannot do. Now, let's go to uh, point two. Opposition is one of the best reasons to go after an opportunity. So it's actually a reason to do it. And so we'll look at something that Ephesians says. Ephesians says it this way in the King James, redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, since the days are evil, I don't have time to play with the opportunity because Death is in the land. People are dying left and right. 
doors are closing left and right. This is an open opportunity and I need to, I need to go through it. This is a God moment. I need to go through it. I need to grab a hold of it because it's too much evil in the land for me to mess around. So I, I, I got to grab it. I got to grab it while it's there. One scripture says this. It says, call on the Lord while he is near, which seems to suggest he won't always be close. And so since he's near and times are evil, grab hold to him while you can. Uh, one songwriter said, reach out and touch the master as he goes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. They, they're, uh, they're going off of the idea of the woman with the issue of blood who saw a moment, an opportunity. Listen, I've been bleeding forever, 12 long years, don't have anything to show for. I've been to all the doctors. I'm broke. I, everything's messed up. If you know anything about what she was really deal, dealing with, more than, likely, more than likely she didn't have a relationship like with a, with a man because you, you are unclean when you're on your cycle, so no man would want to be consistently with her. She, her life was in shambles, and she hears that a healer is coming to town, and she comes up with this thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. But what if she just had that thought and just let it go by? Yeah, but, yeah, but. And that's the problem. A lot of us, we get our butt in the way. Yeah, but, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. Yeah, but go after it because the days are evil. Things are not getting any better. Grab hold of it. So the opposition of evil is one of the reasons that we should actually go for the opportunity because it's not like it's going to get any better just sitting around hoping and wishing. No, go for it, especially when things are close. All right, so redeeming the time because the days are evil. Let's look at it in the NIV. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I like how this says it because it brings us into that word opportunity, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, because time is running out, because things are not getting better as far as the world. So let's make the most of every opportunity. What should we be doing? We should be making disciples. We should be growing and becoming, like we talked about last week, better Christians ourselves and making disciples of others, uh, praying uh, things in, praying the kingdom. What do you mean, Pastor Andre? The scripture says, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying that the heavenly come down to the earth. So when, when things are evil, that's our time to get active and start doing. I'm doing this because the days are evil and the times are evil. And I'm hopefully opening up an opportunity through my prayer, through my worship, through my praise, through my giving, through my reading, through my studying, Hopefully doors are opening, opportunities are opening. And when they do, I'm grabbing them, I'm going for them. Now, when you talk things like this, it's very metaphorical. It's very, very figuratively. So literally, how do you grab an opportunity? How do you make the most of an opportunity? Like literally, what are the steps that you should take? And so then I begin to turn the sermon in a more practical way. So it goes beyond just the figuratively, because while I'm sitting here in this church, I don't see any doors opening in front of me. So we're thinking of spiritual doors, spiritual opportunities. And so how do you prepare yourself for that? And so we begin to take a turn. But before I, I do that, I want to share what I shared Sunday. And uh, it's akin to what I had written on Facebook some weeks ago. But I had my hands very full trying to get into my door to clock in for work. And so before I get to the place where I clock in, there's actually two uh, sets of double doors that I have to get through. And on the outside, there is a handicap button where you could push it. And I had actually hit it with my elbow because I had so much stuff in my hand. I actually, I, di I didn't want to try to grab the door and drop anything. And I couldn't even actually push the thing. So I bumped it and the door swung open but it swung open very slowly because that's just how those uh, particular door moved. And both sets of doors uh, were trying to open. And it doesn't open both doors. It just opens one side enough for me. And I kind of slithered into one and slithered into the other because I needed to get to the time clock. And I clock in at 10 o'clock and it was 10 o'clock. So I needed things to move quick. And I got through and got on the other side of the time clock. 
And I just thought about how, even though it helped me, it was slow. It moved really slow. And then I heard God simply say this, automatic doors, wide open doors. And I thought the difference between this particular door, even though it opened for me, it opened slow. And had I been there a couple seconds later, I may have been late because it just opened too slow. But when I thought about grocery doors or maybe the doors, the initial doors to the mall, when you get close, they automatically open because there's a sensor looking for traffic. And that sensor recognizes you by proximity. All you have to do is get close and the door swings open. And then I I could just see that in my spirit, wide open doors, doors flinging open. So there's a lot of work that we've done, but some these next doors, we're not going to have to press into them. We're not going to have to have a key to open them, unlock them. We're not going to have to push them over. And we're not going to have to wait while they slowly open up. Look, those doors are actually waiting for us. The sensor is waiting to see us. And when it sees us, it opens up and we're able to get through. And so when that happens in your life, for you to stand on the outside. Let's t- take a day like it is in, in Indiana right now where it's snowy and it's cold and you're going to the grocery store and you step in that proximity where the sensor sees you and the door opens up and you just stand there. You just stand there waiting. Like I know God opened the door, so I know God's going to get me through it. No, but you just stand there. Well, if you know anything about those doors, they will actually close on you too. And they will keep opening and closing as long as you stand there. And what we don't want to do is be right near automatic doors and never get on the other side. We're just stuck. We don't want to be that way. We want to know how to actually access and get through. And so this turn that we did is the practical way of how we get through. And it's actually the opposite. We're actually covering it from the opposite way. It's actually the things that we'll do that will make us mess up the opportunity. So that's really what we're doing. So everything we talk about, all you have to do is do the opposite and you'll be able to access the doors. If you do what we're talking about, you're going to blow the opportunity. So in order to do that, I wanted to back up and get more of this Ephesians 5 and doing it both in the NLT and the NIV. And so uh, verse 15, we're backing up because we read verse 16 already, already, but we're going to back up a little and we'll cover the verse that we read as well. It says, so be careful how you live. This is the key right there. Be careful how you live. I'll say that again and be careful. So since it's an opportunity and a golden opportunity, the first thing you can't be is careless. You have to be careful, careful how you live. Now, if you have got to an open door, a wide open door, more than likely you've already been careful how you live. So the, the, the main statement that's being made is don't blow it now. Like I've heard some silly things happen. I've heard of uh, somebody meeting the woman of their dreams. They are like, this is the one there. They got the date set wherever, been through the fiance, all that happens. And then the male, I've heard stories like this, the male at the bachelor party does something so dumb that it blows the marriage. Marriage is caught off. Like, how do you get this far, this close, and then make a decision in a moment of passion that blows everything? So be careful, not careless. In other words, what you did to get to this place, don't stop now. That's uh, When I talk about the tortoise and the hare all the time, that's the problem with the rabbit. He sees the finish line. It's like, oh, cool, I'm close. And he rests. Don't do that. Don't get this close and stop. Keep doing what you've been doing, but actually even be more careful because of the golden opportunity. All right, so be careful how you live. Then it just is very blunt. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. All right, so start, start, make sure you're using wisdom. So then we hear that same uh, verse again, make the most of every opportunity 
in these evil days. In other words, that's how you live wise. You make the most of every opportunity. And then it comes on top of this and nails it again. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I do want to point something out to you that makes uh, the way this sermon is laid out, uh, makes it very well. I must say I'm masterful at laying sermons out. And I'm saying that jokingly because it's not me. It's the spirit of God. But if you look, we are actually in the book of Ephesians. Now, remember, when we first started this lesson, we talked about how Paul was writing to Corinth. And Paul told them, I want to see you. uh, And I don't want to see you in passing. I want to actually spend some time with you, but I'm going to stay here in Ephesus. Well, now we have him writing Ephesians. And he says there was a wide door that opened up. So what ended up happening is, yes, there was a wide door. He took the shot and there ended up being a church of Ephesus. He took that chance and made it. And now we're seeing when we get to Ephesians, he's writing letters to the church in Ephesus because his hunch was right when he was writing Corinth, when he was in Ephesus writing Corinth, his hunch was right. Hey, there's a door open. I'm going to go for it. Now, later on, we're in Ephesians and we're seeing, yes, he was, he was right. There was a chance. And now there was a church of Ephesus. And if you know anything about Timothy, Timothy became the pastor of the church of Ephesus. So I just wanted to point that out. Uh, that we now that we're in Ephesians, I want to point that out that this is the result of the wide door being open to him. So it says this: Don't act thoughtless, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I like how it says it in the NIV, so we'll read it that way. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So in these evil days. You have one major focus, know what the will of the Lord is specifically for you. Last week, when we talked about better Christians, we talked about worry about yourself. In other words, find the will of God for you. Stay in that lane. If people want to ask you about that, you're more than welcome to open up. But instead of focus on everybody else, know what the will of the Lord is for you. Don't be a fool. Don't act foolishly. Know what you're supposed to do. Know what you're supposed to do to get through that door. Obviously, Paul did because he's seen the op- the opportunity. He took it, and now later on, we see he's writing Ephes- uh, He's writing to the Church of Ephesus, which we have the Book of Ephesians. So we see he did it, but now it's up to us to do it. The doors are going to open. What are you going to do it? You got to know what the will of the Lord is, and this is where on Sunday I departed and talked about the analogy that I always talk about with the ordering steak and lobster from McDonald's. It's not on the menu. So God has laid out what's on his menu. There are certain things we cannot have. So let's not get foolish and start thinking, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. So money comes into our hands. And sometimes people begin to be foolish when money comes into the hand. And then they start doing stuff. And they're like, no, that's not the will of the Lord for you. Just because the money came in your hands don't mean you can do whatever you want with it. You You need to pray more. You need to ask God, okay, what do I do with this money? Obviously, if I have debt, I'm supposed to pay the debt, get caught up. You know, if I owe people, I'm supposed to do that. But after that, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go on vacation for the rest of my life. What is that God? Is that what God wants you to do? What if where you plan on vacation and there's a disease that will cause your life to be snuffed out? Now you wasted money just to die. So We cannot be foolish. We cannot be thoughtless. We cannot be careless. We have to be careful. We have to be wise. A wide open opportunity is not the time to run carefree and just do whatever. That's when people mess up. People hit the lottery and blow their life. No, we don't want to be like that. We want when the dreams happen, we don't want the dreams to turn into a nightmare because we didn't know how to handle it. So, What God does many times, he forces us to prepare ahead of time with all the challenges we face. That causes us to be prepared. So why go through all of that to be prepared only to blow it in the opportunity? And there's countless people that do that. They actually get the blessing and they actually mess up in the blessing. Uh, Solomon is a person that 
was really blessed, but he actually blew it in the blessing and start. Uh, the scripture says he he got caught up with all these different wives and begin to worship other people. Uh, I mean, begin to worship other gods. And then Israel really took a downturn when they should have been going up. So let's not get the blessing and blow it. And we're getting ready to look at, at Solomon's words. So just because you know it doesn't mean you have the power to do it. All right. Now, now this is something that comes in Ephesians. It says this, it says, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Somehow or another, I purposely talked about alcohol last week, had no intentions talking about it this week, but it came up again. And so I'm just going to throw this out there to those who uh, of you, those who are part of Deliverance Temple, those who uh, listen to this ministry. God is saying something to us as a warning about alcohol. I'm not saying that you can't drink it. That's not what God says, but the idea of being drunk and the consistency of being drunk, God is warning us for whatever reason, because it's popped up twice. And in between uh, Sunday to Sunday, another member had in their regular reading, they had come across something that they hadn't seen. And they sent me some scriptures that they read that dealt with uh, too much alcohol. So God is sending out some type of signal. I, even though I'm prophetic, I have no idea who he's talking to, or maybe it's just an overall warning, but let's not get loose in that area because anytime you mess with your sobriety, it keeps you from being careful, thoughtful, and wise. All the things that we're talking about, it does make you careless, thoughtless, and foolish. So be careful with that. But then it makes this statement to help us. It says, don't be drunk with wine. But it's okay to be drunk. We just want you to be drunk in the spirit. And so then uh, it shows us how we know we're, we're drunk with the spirit or we're filled with the spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now on Sunday morning, I just spent some time talking about praise and how there's a praise in me. I won't do that uh today, but when you really are impacted by the spirit, you don't need church services to praise God. You don't necessarily even need music to praise God. You can make a joyful noise. You have this spirit and we'll look at it side by side. We have the, you have this spirit that you give thanks in every, for everything. I mean, I'm not just thanking God because there's an open door. I'm thanking God because he's God. I'm thanking God because I'm alive. I'm thanking God because he's been good to me when I wasn't good to myself. I'm thanking God because he's had my back when my back was against the wall. I'm thanking God. And yes, God hasn't done everything I wanted him to do like I wanted him to do it, but he's always been God. He's always been there. He's always caught me. He's always covered me. He's always had his arms outstretched to me. He's never judged me and beat me he's always given me mercy and grace. And so that, that, that praise should always be there and you should be drunk with that. And we don't want anything outside external getting us more high than the internal of having the connection we have with God, which is why we always say we connect with our creator continually. That's not a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Wednesday day thing. No, that is a Monday through Sunday that we should be doing. And just like, the alcohol can make you feel good. Let me tell you something. A good praise can make you feel better than anything external. So we always want to remember that. All right, let's continue to move so we can uh, be time conscious. Let's get to our point three. And this is where we really begin to hold, hold in on this topic. But frequently overlooking opportunity equals loss. Frequently overlooking opportunity equals loss. We'll say it again and we'll spell it out with the acronym. Frequently F, overlooking O, opportunity O equals loss L. And so when you look at that as the acronym, which is purposely done, it spells fool. And so opportunities are coming. Wide opportunities. Well, when they come, it's not just one door, it's multiple doors. Even the the uh, the idea that I talked about the grocery store, when you go into the grocery store and the doors open, 
when you step in there, there's usually another set that you go through. They usually keep the carts somewhere and you got to go through another set. So if you go through the first door and then you just stop and overlook the next door, the next opportunity, yeah, you got in, but you didn't do yourself any good because you're overlooking that next opportunity that's connected to the first opportunity. Some opportunities are layered that if just because you got through the first door doesn't mean you, you're going to get through the next door. You, you got, you got to keep going. Now let's take this even further. Let's, let's take the idea of a Walmart or a target. You go through the first door, then you go through the next door and then you get what you need and you're able to pay for it, but you never walk back out the store. You never go back out the doors. That next year, that'll do you no good. Ooh, pastor, I got this TV at Target. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm sitting at Target with the TV in the box. Oh, it's amazing. Well, when you going to come home? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to stay here with the TV because I got a TV at Target. No, you got to come back through the doors in order to enjoy it. So if you're frequently overlooking the next opportunity that comes with the first opportunity, all it does is just makes you a fool. Let's put that up again so it can sink in. Frequently overlooking opportunity equals loss. All right. So having said that, that led us to Proverbs 26. And the main tag of Proverbs 26 is foolishness, which is what we're going to talk about. But then he adds a laziness because laziness is very akin to foolishness. It's almost like twins. And especially when it comes to opportunity, laziness really kills opportunity. But it starts off with the idea of being a fool, being careless, thoughtless, unwise. So we're going to work through these things. So one of the first things we want to see when we come to this scripture, Proverbs 26, we want to look at Actually, verse uh, one it says honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with hard harvest. Since we are not an agricultural world, we don't catch the rain with harvest. We don't understand that as much, but we do understand snow doesn't fit in the summertime. Snow is a wintertime thing. It's not going to be 80 degrees and snowing water only turns into snow at a certain point of uh, freezing point. And I think 32, 33 below, that's when water will change. So it will not change. You know, the, the thunderstorms that we have in summer, they happen, but they won't turn into snow because it's too warm. They just don't go together. So honor doesn't go to fool. So if God is opening a door that's going to cause you to have honor and success and you are a fool, it's not going to match up. Even if you got through the door, it just doesn't fit. So it makes more sense for God to keep the door closed until you shed your foolishness. All right, let's look at verse two. Like a flooding sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. This is a powerful statement, but it's actually a hard statement to grasp. And the King James says it this way. He says, the curse causeless will not come. And what that means is if a person is consistently cursed, we're not talking about a bad moment here and there, but you're talking about someone who they never keep a job, never keep a man, never keep a woman. They can never keep money. They can never have success. They're all, I mean, things are always wrong to the point where you're like, man, they are cursed. Like nothing ever goes right for them. I don't care how much you pray for them. I don't care how much you counsel them. They just always end up negative. Well, the scripture says there's a reason behind that. There's something happened, either something they're doing or something they're not doing. That is overriding principles. You can't keep overriding principles and get good results. In other words, God blesses, God touches, God is merciful, God is gracious, but there are certain principles that are just principles. Gravity is a principle. 
I may be the smartest man in the world, but if I fall backwards off of a building that's seven stories in the air, more than likely I'm going to die. That's just the principle. And let's say I don't die, but I, I really damage myself. When I finally get mended, I go back to the building and fall again. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just, I'm just trying things out just to see what gravity's like. No, you're a fool because you're trying to violate a principle. Here's a principle. There's a principle called giving and receiving. So if you're a stingy person, I don't care what comes into your hand, you're going to blow it somehow because stinginess mess up the cycle that the real, real way to receive is to give. And I'm not just talking about money, being stingy with knowledge, being stingy with advice, being stingy. If you keep violating that principle, the giving principle, then when you're cursed, when it comes to your own receiving, there's nothing we can do about that. So the curse is not going to come without a cause. So when you begin to operate foolishly and you don't change it, you don't check it, you don't fix it. And then you, instead of walking into doors of blessing, you walk into doors of curse. You can't blame God. You can't blame the pastor. Can't blame your parents. Can't blame the church. That is something that you bought and paid for with your actions. So knowing that we have golden opportunities is great, but if we blow it, we can't blame anybody but ourselves because the door is going to be so wide open. All right, here's another point that's just pretty self-explanatory. If you take every opportunity to act like a fool, Satan will take every opportunity to make you pay for it. When you, I, I like to say there's a king and a fool in all of us. Whichever one you feed is the one that will grow and respond the most. We all sometimes are the fool. But if you play the fool all the time, you feed the fool all the time. You're always the one to go off. You're always the one to pop off. You're always the one to not care about your sobriety. You're always the one to not study. Somebody tells you, hey, uh, there's, there's a job opportunity, but you got to take a test. And here's the material you have for a test. You throw it off to the side. Listen, Satan will make you pay for it and he will love doing it. So don't be foolish because you just open the door to give Satan opportunity. Listen, if you do everything right, Satan's coming after you. So why be the fool and, and give him, you know, give him the tools to beat you up with. So we don't want to do that. All right. So let's look at, uh, Proverbs 26, four, which I really loved. Uh, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. I'll say it again. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you'll become as foolish as they are. And what I love about this is the very next verse says, be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools or they will become wise in their own estimation. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools or they'll become wise in their own estimation. Looking at this, this is totally contradictory, but it's so much beautiful wisdom in this. And I took some time talking about a Sunday. I won't take as much time. I'll cut to the chase today and I'll give us the point. Here's the point that is made. Different foolishness requires different responses. And so what Solomon is saying is don't answer the fool who knows he's a fool. And his only purpose is to get you to stoop to his level of foolishness because his sole purpose is to bring you down. And if you don't know anybody like that, the number one person is Satan. Satan got kicked out of heaven. He's mad about that because he was the dumb one, tried to take over the throne of God. And now he wants nothing more than to pull you down to his level. So we don't answer that kind of fool. But then there, there is the other fool who thinks they're wise and they are challenging you and they uh, expect you. You're saved. You can't say nothing back to me. You got to hold your tongue. You got to hold your peace. And what Solomon says, that type of person, they need to be confronted because there's some foolishness that needs to be left alone. And there's some foolishness that needs to be confronted. And when you're wise, you know the difference between the two. And people will wonder, why didn't you say anything to that person? But you had a whole lot to say to this person. Because you know, and we'll put it up again, simple uh, side by side, different foolishness requires different responses. All right, so let's uh, move to point number six. Foolishness that thinks it's wise will obstinately repeat behavior 
that constantly blows opportunity. And this is why you want to confront the foolishness that thinks it's wise because that foolishness gets caught in patterns and behavior. And they may not listen to you, but you have to do your level best to confront it because by per perhaps or by chance that a seed is sown that gets them off of their foolishness, they're actually going to thank you for confronting them. I've had people who have acted foolishly and I've had to confront them. And later on, they've thanked me for it. And they said, you were real with me. You were good to me as a pastor. Sometimes I have to come down hard and deal with things. And some people, when they wise up, they are grateful because it helped break them out of patterns. So sometimes you're not just confronting someone to put them in their place. Sometimes you're confronting someone to save them. All right. So I'll, I'll say that again. Foolishness that thinks is wise will obstinately repeat behavior that constantly blows opportunity. Let's look at verse 11. As a dog returns to its vomits, so a fool repeats his foolishness. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. That's a powerful statement. Let's move further and change directions just a little. Nothing will close the door of opportunity quicker than laziness will. So here's some points with that. Verse 13, the lazy person claims there's a line on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. And so Solomon is making the point that uh, in uh, whatever area is right, writing at, it, it was a more, a more developed area. So it was not the jungle. It was not the wild. It was the place where the roads were. So more than likely, a lion is not on the road. This person is so lazy, they're making the excuse. So now I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go through the opportunity because, oh, there's a lion. There's an obstacle or even like the children of Israel, there's giants in the land. And compared to them, we are grasshoppers. If you're scared, just say you're scared. Don't, don't make up stuff. If you're lazy, just say you're lazy. Don't make up stuff. So, so Solomon's making that point that people will come out with outlandish things to keep from actually moving forward because to move forward, it's really on you. But it's easier if I can blame somebody else. Verse 14, as the door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in the bed. That's so self-explanatory and it's so sad but it's a powerful point. Verse 15, lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. They take food in the hand and they won't even lift it to their mouth. That's a crazy level of laziness. I got this water bottle in my hand. Let's say I'm thirsty and I just have it. Say, boy, I'm so thirsty, y'all. Man, pray for me. I'm so thirsty. I mean, I, woo, I wish, oh, hallelujah, God, come and touch me because I'm thirsty. Well, fool, you got water in your hand. All you got to do is, that took all of four seconds. Sometimes God is looking at us, the answer is right in our hand. We just got to do something with it. I mentioned in uh, our announcements, I mentioned something because I, I felt impressed to do it. I mentioned all the ways that the sermon can be replayed and rewatched. It's so many ways that it actually can. And when you hear Solomon writing saying a person will have food in his hand is too lazy to bring it to his mouth, it's easy to laugh at that. It's like, I would never do that. But what about all the teachings that you've been taught here at this church, all the word that's there, and the fact that after Sunday and after Wednesday, there are people who are too lazy to, they like, oh man, that was good. I wonder what pastor said uh, on that because it was really good. I can't remember, but it was good. Then the other person's like, I'm not going to try to remember. I'm just going to go and look at it. It's 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 on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Vimeo, Roku. It's on my app. It's, it's on the podcast. It's there. But some people are too lazy to just look at it again. I tell people all the time, hey, I'm dropping you at the middle of the chapter. If you want more context, you might need to go back and read the beginning and then uh, read the end. 
And I got it on the screen, whether, whether you're at home or whether you're in the building, I got it right up there. I got all the references right there. So you had, you can go and look at the rest of it, but some people are like, Oh, I just can't wait to pastor Andre to preach again. Why? Why are you waiting on me to get a word when there's a word right there, but you're too lazy to bring it to your mouth? So let's not laugh at what Solomon's saying if we're doing some of those same things. All right, let's look at uh, the last two points. There's a point A and a point B to to number seven. Here's Here's the recap. We can't allow foolishness, opposition, obstinance, or laziness to hinder our golden opportunity. So the first uh, 7A was nothing will close the door of opportunity quicker than laziness. And then 7B was the recap. We can't allow foolishness, opposition, obstinance, or laziness to hinder our golden opportunity. And once again, that spells fool. So foolishness, opposition, F-O, obstinance, O, and laziness. So we had already talked about uh, foolishness and opposition. Then we threw an obstinance. Obstinance is is the fool who thinks they're wise and they need to be confronted and they become obstinate and stubborn. And that's the person who will return to their own vomit like a dog. So we don't want to be obstinate. We don't want to be stubborn. Then, of course, we don't want to be lazy. So basically, we don't want to play the fool. The song says everybody plays the fool. Well, Deliverance Temple, this is not the time for us to play the fool. Hey, it's okay because we've already played the fool. We've all blown it. We've all blown it in the past. It's happened. But this is the season to go through the opportunity. This is the season for the golden opportunity to be realized in our lives. Having said that, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, you're set before us. The scripture said you set before us an open door. You set before us life and death. And then you tell us if we're too dull, you tell us choose life. So, God, it is our goal to choose life. We've got hopes. We've got dreams. But that is not the major reason why we want to go through the door. One of the major reasons why we want to go through the door is because we want to change our generation. We want to touch people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the love of Jesus Christ. Anything you bless us with with to get to that place, we welcome. Well, what we won't do is stand looking at an open door and not move. What we won't do is be thoughtless, be careless, be foolish, be lazy, be obstinate, focus on the opposition. No, we know this is our time. We know this is our moment. We are going for it. And God, we thank you that you're going to help us and you're going to bless us all the way. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Love you dearly. I just love teaching the word of God to you. I love preaching to you. I love teaching you. Hopefully we take this and we actually grow because I promise you these are not my words. God is really giving me these words. If you knew how blank my paper is or my notebook, my laptop is when I get ready to preach and to see God just give it to me like pieces of a puzzle, he's feeding us so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. So God bless you. We appreciate you. We love you dearly. And we thank you for all that has happened. So blessing to you. Thanks again for watching. Have a great week. See you next week and stay warm and stay blessed. Love you all.